The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship. Give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Hi, I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and this is Healthy Living with me, Dr. Mona Lisa. And today, show is about I'm so tired, sleep, and insomnia, and weight gain. Have you ever tried to lose weight? You lower the carbs, you lower the fat. You try the keto diet, and still you lose the weight. You try aerobic walking. You try all kinds of exercises with the trainer, without the trainer. And yet you still gain the weight. You've tried sleeping more, less. You've tried pills, chamomile, everything. Are they related? If you've ever had trouble with weight and sleep, today's your day because we're going to discuss I'm so tired, sleep and insomnia. I remember when I was in my first year of college at Brown, we tried to stay up all night. Everybody tried to stay up all night, partly because they were all fooling around, but partly because they, we didn't know how to study. But also, we all gained 15 pounds. Do you think that's related? It just occurred to me at this moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Because we're changing our sleep wakefulness cycles and our eating is all disrupted. Because if you go to sleep late, you get up late and you're messing your hypothalamus and your activity all, it's a mess. Sleep is a connection between the hypothalamus area for hormones, your connection with the sun, and also a connection with your brainstem 
connection with activity. They're both. We have tried for years to try to distill sleep into alcohol, GABA, Xanax, Sominex, amino acids. It's impossible. You can't do that because what you try to do then is eat a lot of pills, drink a lot of pills, when really what you realize is if you're depressed, you can't stay asleep. If you're anxious, you can't get to sleep. If you eat late, it messes up your sleeping. If you are too active at night, it messes up your sleeping. If you have a fight with someone, you can't get to sleep and so on and so on. Is it because it's all emotional? No, it's not. Sleep and eating are a cycle. And like a bicycle, you have two wheels. And if one wheel gets out of whack, the other one gets out of whack too. That's why if your sleep's off the front tire, then your weight's gonna get out of whack the back tire. And if your eating is out of whack the back tire, your sleep is gonna get messed up the front tire. They're both the same. How do we know that? Because narcolepsy. Years ago, well, first of all, I have a sleep disorder. I remember every time I used to fall asleep, I would gain a pound. Each day I had a sleep attack, I gained a pound. It didn't matter how much I ran and how little I ate. I was eating white egg whites on top of lettuce. I was gaining weight. I was running five miles a day, seven miles a day. It mattered not. Why? I was at Brown <laughs> doing stupid. Suffice it to say, I also had a sleep disorder, similar to narcolepsy. Years later, they found out that there's a chemical called orexin, O-R-O-R-E-X-I-N. And orexin is fascinating because it's also influenced with eating. So I remember being very confused because on one hand, I read all these commercials about orexin, this new potential medicine for diet to lose weight. And then on the other hand, I heard orexin like medicine for narcolepsy. And I'm like, wait a minute, am I losing my mind? Is it the same medicine? And the answer is yes, it is. Because the neurotransmitter orexin or hypocretin that's related to falling awake from this, staying asleep is influencing eating. And that's the connection between weight and appetite. There is a very rare syndrome called Pickwickian syndrome, which I'm sure you may identify with. There are these guys who slept, slept. They're like Rick Van Winkle. They would sleep for months and months and months and months, similar to people who are very depressed and want to sleep all day. And then all of a sudden they get up and they want to eat everything in sight. It's called Pickwickian syndrome. They would look like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. It's very similar to people, they get to a certain phase in their life and they're sleepy, they're depressed, the lower extremities feel like lead and all they wanna do is eat all the time. And no matter what 
they do. They can't lose weight because their sleep and their activity is out of whack. Their hypothalamus hormones and their activity is out of whack. That's why this show is about orexin, sleep, and eating. So Eileen is turning around and around and around because she's doing calisthenics with the camera, the poor thing. So she's trying to stay awake and move the camera and she doesn't realize that moving the camera will not increase her metabolism. So I don't know what I just did. Okay, so if people have questions, please raise your hand and say, hi, I have a question. Just raise your little hand. I think there's some kind of question thing on the bottom. I don't know where it is, but I think it's the, the reaction. Um, it may be an applause thing or, oh, I see. There's a raising of the hand thing right in the bottom. I will emphasize it right there. That's me raising my hand to myself going, I have a question for myself. Now I'm lowering my hand because I do not have a question for myself anymore. Okay, so the first thing is, is bicycle. We have a sleep wave from the cycle. We need to get on cycle. And if you're off of cycle, you're a mess because you're supposed to get up in the morning and your brain sees the sun. When your brain sees the sun, melatonin goes down. When melatonin goes down, you're supposed to eat. Insulin and cortisol goes down. So when you wake up, you eat the most food. That's the way it works. I know that's not the way you like it. I didn't construct this. Trust me. You want to write a letter to the heavens or your parents or whoever gave you the DNA and sue them for malpractice and say, I want a different brain. It doesn't work that way. Or you could argue. And you could play tug of war with your metabolism, which chances are you've already done that already. And, and you know what? Dial 1-800, it doesn't work. Suffice it to say, you have to eat when the hormone is delivered or love the one you're with. Melatonin goes down in the morning. That's when you wake up. That's when the sun comes out. The sun goes through your eyes, even if they're not open, because believe it or not, it comes in through the skin of the eyes. and it tells melatonin to go down via your hypothalamus. And so you wake up and that's when, believe it or not, cortisol is your highest. And that means eat, 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 because cortisol and insulin is highest and will make blood sugar go into the fat cells, which is what you want. Otherwise, duh, 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 diabetes and obesity. Then, of course, you have a second peak at 10, which you can have a snack. And then 12 noon, you might want to have your biggest meal of the day. Knock yourself out. However, then, of course, it's downhill from there. If anybody tells you otherwise, it usually means they're emaciated, thin, and never had a weight problem or insomnia in their life. Good for them. Tell them, thank you. You can go in peace. However, that's not my family. My family is Latina, and we held up the incidence of insulin-dependent diabetes in the nation, okay? I'm just telling you, I'm one of the few people that gain weight on a macrobiotic diet. Yes, I gain weight on a macrobiotic diet. How that happens, I do not know. Suffice it to say, I, get, I gain weight on a vegan diet. Why? There are too many beans because beans have carbs in them. And if you really want to think about it, 
You want to think about Native Americans. Native Americans have a higher incidence of, and Latina people have a higher incidence of, you've got it, diabetes. And what do they have a lot of? Buh, buh, beans. <laughs> and refried beans. I've never really understood the whole free fried things. Why fry a bean and then fry it again? But I'm not going to get into that whole thing. No one has ever really given me They've only given me the recipe. I'm not interested in the recipe. I don't understand why you'd add fat on top of cob and then fat again. Get uh, then, okay. Then of course there's alcohol involved. Alcohol isn't just a carb, it's a fat on top of a cob. Lovely. This is what we need. The only thing I can think better is a, um, a dough, a fatty dough in every kind of society they have a dough boy. In Portuguese, they have melasada. And I don't know, every that's it's unbelievable. People have killed or maimed for those things. Suffice it to say, they help you fall asleep. Why? Because it's a cob. And then it's got the fat galunin, which is a chaser. Very lovely. It's also an opiate, which raises your mood. So if you're depressed and have trouble falling asleep, these are the kind of things you want to eat at night. One of the things I've noticed when I was a psych resident is I could always tell somebody was depressed because they'd wake up in the middle of the night and they'd eat cereal. Why? Because they're dosing themselves with tryptophan. If they have trouble falling asleep, they drink alcohol. Alcohol is GABA, the very thing we need. Our hypothalamus, the pre-optic area, produces GABA or alcohol to fall asleep. Now, I don't know if you that happens to you, but people in my family, it, it was an accoutrement. On the nightstand was a glass of alcohol, but not just a little sip. We're talking about a tumbler with a little sliver of ice. And that's because for whatever reason, the hypothalamus, that whole connection, was messed up. And so it wasn't producing enough GABA or whatever. And so they imported the GABA via the alcohol. However, it messes up the sleep wakefulness cycle in the brain and causes it to be fractionated. It doesn't work. Suffice it to say, the problem with that is, is the basal forebrain is also important for memory. So if you're taking all this alcohol to fall asleep, because you need it, it messes up memory. And when you sleep at night, your brain has micro seizures in that area, the hippocampus, and it will dump. It won't be able to make enough steel choline, so you'll have problems with memory. So you break up, you wake up with a brain fog. The other thing is people take GABA-like molecules, like Xanax, you've got your Ativan, you got those kinds of things. And so these things will make you fall asleep, but they'll make you have messed up sleep, messed up memory, and you won't be able to lay down appropriate sleep. It will mess up micro seizures in your um, hippocampus. The other thing is that those medicines are anticonvulsants and they mess up those micro seizures in the hippocampus. Suffice it to say, Bad med, bad med. And it's good for a short period of time, but 
no good. So if you drink a lot of alcohol to get to sleep, it may be a short-term agent, but a long-term problem with memory, not to mention fractionated sleep. And it disconnects you from intuition and the connection to the divine through your sleep. So you have to figure out another way of sleep onset, meaning you have to reduce stimulus and increase GABA. How do you do that? You do something with rhythmic movement, rocking. Knit one, pearl two. You do something that is rhythmic, prayer, meditation. Something that is rhythmic, something that doesn't have norepinephrine like stimulus. Like you don't watch a law and order at 10 o'clock at night. I used to say there's nothing like a good rape or murder to fall asleep to. This is not helpful. The other thing is once I fell asleep to the Johnny Depp and Amber, whatchamacallit trial, you know, this stuff does go in your psyche. I woke up the next morning and I was in such a bad mood because it goes into your psyche. I was like, fighting with myself. I don't like you either. I don't like you either. So that was in my head. This is no good. So you have to be careful. The other thing is when you fall asleep watching something, somehow you've released your GABA or what I call affectionately blown your wad so that when you get up and try to go to bed, you've messed up the mechanism to fall asleep. So your body has already delivered its GABA and you try to get to sleep again, your body goes, forget it. You used your GABA. You used your medicine already. So you can't, you have to have good sleep hygiene. If you fall asleep in the chair watching TV, you can't sit in the chair watching TV. You have to do something else because you're a sleeper in the chair. So that's why I don't lie in chairs unless I'm being stupid. Suffice it to say, then you lower arousal. That means you don't do activity. You don't exercise, you don't fight, and you don't do electricity. You put your cell phone or electrical devices in, in a jar or something. And the way that I emphasize that is when I worked in a gonorrhea lab, you'll never forget this. Before we went home at night, we swabbed our gonorrhea on a plate and we put it in a candle jar because gonorrheas only grow in anaerobic condition. So you put it in a jar and you lit a candle like they're gonna make love at night. You lit a candle on the bottom of the jar. You put the plate of gonorrhea in the jar and you closed it as if they're gonna have fun and have sex. You close it, you put it in the jar and you go home. And then the next morning, the gonorrhea have slept, grown to candlelight. That's what you're going to do with your computer your cell phone, you're going to close it, put it to bed. And they say, actually shutting off your computer, not putting it to sleep, shutting it off recycles that I learned that from an Apple person recently. You're supposed to shut it off, not let it fall asleep. Isn't that interesting? Did not know that. That's what our brains need. You let it go to sleep, not sleep. You shut it down. And like this gonorrhea in the candle jar, it resets itself for the morning. What a concept. So in the next morning, it's reset itself 
and it's nice and fresh. If you check it, it's like falling asleep in the chair. It messes it up. You've started up the machine again. You've started up your brain again, and it's messed up the cycle. If you wake up after you've fallen asleep in the chair, you've started up the engine, you started up your brainstem, ventral tegmentum for arousal, feeding, and reward. So if you get up in the middle of the night or you get up from the chair and go, I'm just going to have a few chips, forget it. You've just messed it up. You've flipped the switch and that flips orexin, that flips the eating cycle, and you've messed up one of the wheels in your bicycle. It messes it up. So you can't do it. You know how they said nobody can eat one chip? Even if you just ate one chip, it doesn't matter. It tells your brain. By the way, it tells your brain, oh, it must be 7.30 in the morning. I'm going to wake up, rise and shine. <laughs> and that's it for you. You're done. And so melatonin goes down, the cortisol goes up, and we're off to the races. Forget about it. You can't do it. It's because it tells your brain, we're awake. Can't do that. It'll mess up memory. It'll mess up everything. My Aunt Evie, with a sixth grade education from Portugal, when we finished eating at night, she closed the refrigerator, put the pans away, and, she, and I would like, we would go, can I just have one cookie? She'd say, the cafeteria is closed. And I remember when we went to camp, we tried to sneak into the cafeteria. And do you know what they did? Those bastards, they drained the milk machines. So you'd sit there and you'd try to get milk out of the machine and it was empty. They took the milk out of the machines and I could use another word. You couldn't get anything. They took away the cereal. They took away everything and they locked it. The cafeteria was closed and it was smart because they like the gonorrhea, they reset it for the morning. Do you understand? Hypothalamus goes on, brainstem goes down, epinephrine goes down, GABA goes up, computers get shut off, melatonin goes up, time to go to bed. Melatonin goes, starts going up to go to sleep at what time? 11 o'clock for the 11 o'clock news, Eastern time, 10 o'clock central time, Bastards, 9 p.m., melatonin goes on. Who the hell stops watching TV at 9 p.m.? That's when you put a toddler down the bed. I don't know who designed it. I certainly didn't. Sometimes by the time I get all my phone calls, I used to anyway, done, it's 9 p.m. By the time I get everybody settled, that's when your brain says, hey, time to turn in. And that's when the, the, the psych nurse comes out with a melatonin. If you don't start turning off machines and settling down, if you say it's, it's time for a nice murder or rape on, on you know, SVU unit or something like that, or let's put on America's Got Talent and watch people fry each other with those. <laughs> let's see if someone's gonna harpoon someone with an arrow on fire. Is he gonna die or isn't he? And who's gonna get the golden buzzer? You're going to increase arousal. Your brainstem ventral tegmentum is going to turn on. 
your GABA is definitely going to go down and that's it for you. The psych nurse with the melatonin is going to leave and go to somebody else down the road and that's it. You won't go to sleep. So that's, so someone says, what about taking melatonin? Oh, good for you. So you go, okay, I'll watch America's Got Talent after I've watched the rerun for um, Law and Order SVU. There's nothing like watching a couple of rapes. And then I'll just make it up with taking a couple of shots of melatonin followed by a chaser of Xanax. Does that work? No, it doesn't. And I'll tell you why. Because there are people who try to lose weight by doing cleanses. Have you ever noticed those people that you want to kill them? Hey, you want to go to dinner? I mean, you want to go to lunch? Nope, I'm done the cleanse. What they do is they do the cleanse, which is the equivalent of lowering their total calories. And then they pig out for the second two weeks of the month. And then what ends up happening, it's yo-yo dieting. And then after a while, the metabolism catches up on them. What happens is their thyroid produces less T3. And so you think, okay, I'll just take more T3. Like your body is a stupid. You think you're smarter than your body? <laughs> you are your body. <laughs> so you take melatonin you'll just make less. And I'll give you an example. You ever taken steroids because you um, have some kind of autoimmune problem, right? But then you go to work and you're, you're, you're messed up so your autoimmune problem gets worse. You just need more steroids. You need more and more and more because your body says, I see you and I raise you. So if you take melatonin, your brain will make less. So you'll need more. And it'll be like dueling banjo, that terrible song. Da 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 And it'll go faster and faster. It's like Xanax. First, you need 0.125 and then you need 0.25, and then you need five. And someone says, well, you don't build up tolerance to melatonin. You do if you don't participate by doing good sleep hygiene. If you listen to heavy metal before you go to bed, no amount of melatonin is gonna work. <laughs> if, you have a, if you're in a bad relationship, and you think melatonin will help you get to sleep after you have a rip-roaring fight, forget about it. So my point is, is no amount of medicine is going to take, work your way around importing drama on the TV. It doesn't work. Any more than trying to eat a lot of food and then running marathons, something will break on you. You'll hurt your back or you'll hurt your ankle and then you'll balloon out. It's like um, Jurassic Park. Nature always finds its way. Questions. Because I cannot be the, I'm not gonna be the only person. Okay, so we're gonna talk to Dawn. Dawn, so. Dawn, how can I be of help? 
Hi, Dr. Mona Lisa. Thank you so much. I found it really fascinating about rocking, producing GABA. And I have been a fan and have loved to rock and needed to rock for as long as I can remember, since I was a child and then through my adulthood, I've always had a rocking chair. Right now, I don't have one. But, I mean, if, if that is the case, am I needing GABA if I'm having insomnia? I've had it probably for the past two years. Um, Dawn, how old are you? I am 61 now. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, the dawn of 61 is not the dawn of 58. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And the dawn, I mean, I hate to be coy. I'm not going to be coy. The other thing is there are various hormones that have GABA in them. Take a stab, a nice activating um, neurotransmitter for 5 p.m. Take a stab at what hormone has a lot of GABA. Oh, no, don't tell me. The one I'm not producing oh. anymore? <laughs> is it the one I'm not producing anymore? Well, part of you is the adrenal gland produces it. Your adrenal gland takes whatever body fat you do have, converts it via pregnenolone, DHEA, to progesterone. And yes, da -da 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 -da, you get the canned ham basket. No, oh. you don't get a canned ham basket. I'm not sending you a basket. I don't even know where they came up with the concept of a canned ham basket, but it was a prize they used to give. Yes, progesterone. This is the reason why progesterone lives in harmony with estrogen, because estrogen has dopamine and norepinephrine in it and serotonin, and progesterone has GABA. So progesterone is calming. It's as if nothing matters. And then um, estrogen is, I've got a deal for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean that you need all of those for the rest of your life because there's other sources of GABA in your body. I already told you the basal ganglia has it, that you produced it by any repetitive mo motion. But, but if you take progesterone, you get two, two, two chemicals in one. You get a growth hormone that it stimulates tissue like your breast to grow, and you get calm. But you have a good reason not to be calm because if breast cancer runs in your family and you take progesterone, well, you know, you're not so calm anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there are other ways of getting GABA other than taking progesterone, but you'd be surprised at how many people don't understand that concept. And the same thing with estrogen. The reason why I say that is I'm not saying don't take progesterone or estrogen. God forbid. I'm simply saying there's lots of reasons why when we change our hormones and puberty and menopause that we have an alteration in how we fall asleep, how our moods are. But you would agree that if some kid says, I don't want to go through puberty and you say it's a natural change, the same thing with menopause. If someone says, I don't want to go through menopause, you say it's a natural change. You can't have one without the other, right? right. I know that that's a really faux way of looking at it. And I'm the epitome of logic, even though you wouldn't think so because I'm an intuitive. But suffice it to say, you're a person that in a family 
when you are intuitively keyed into arguments, their jousting is like picking up epinephrine stimulants. It's mm. like going to what's the WWF stand for? Well, it's Wild the world. Well, there's two world wildlife fund and the world uh, wide federa- uh, wrestling federation, the wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, the, the second one with the people wear the masks and they beat the crap out of each other on ra- on, on, on pads <laughs> on the floor that look solid, but they're not, they're really trampolines. Yeah. There's people in a family who argue and somehow you're in the middle of them and you pick up the barbs, the arguments, and you're healthy and you're an intermediary. Who are those people? Yeah, that you're, you're describing my, my family, my, my sisters, uh, and you're describing my childhood. So yes. No, I'm not describing your childhood. I'm describing it now. You're not having trouble falling asleep because of what right. happened to you in kindergarten, you're, ha- you're falling asleep on what's going on now. Yeah, and what's and going on, what, what's going on now that would make you hear it in your head now? Yes, well, I am the middle, so you're you're right. I was I'm in the I was the middle person, and so I was what mediating. But I have stepped out of that role for the last. No, you don't understand. I said intuitively. Oh. I know you stepped out of it, but you. Yeah. I said you heard it in your head. I'm not trying to be mean or scary. I'm simply saying you can hear it. Oh, yeah. Where, the, where I know you say, oh, yes. Where do these people live? Well, they live, oh, gosh, they live in the same town I do, although. Oh, I used, oh for God's sakes. I used to live. Right. A, yeah. And now I'm back. Wait a minute. You used to live away and now you're back? Yeah. I used to live out of state because I was always. I felt the distance was much easier and healthier for me when I was physically far away. And uh, now... So whatever you want to do, you're going to move closer because you felt it was easier to be far away. What possessed you to move closer? Yes, that was that was the, the thing. Um, my grandmother was very ill and I helped take care of her. And I should have left after she passed away, but I stayed for that false sense of security. Something. How long ago? How long ago was that? Oh, that was seven years ago. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for psychedelic harm reduction and integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Are you living in a warm state or a cold state? I live in the South. I live in both. You know, it's, it's, it's cold and hot. And where did you live before? 
Warm or cold? Warm, New Orleans. Because I thought you lived warm before and cold now. I think you should go back to warm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at places to live. Good. Look more. Yeah. Because yeah. I'll tell you why. When you work with radioactivity, increase yeah. distance, decrease time of exposure. Intuition, you can do a reading with someone in Australia, New Zealand. I do readings with people all over the world. Probably the only place I haven't done is North Korea, but there's a good reason for that. There would be an issue. Suffice it to say, there are reminders or cues that when you drive past a place, you're going to key into them more. Oh my gosh, you are absolutely on target. I am <laughs> I am five minutes away from where I grew up and I said I would never move back. And of course I have and right, I, so it cues you and yeah. so then that primes the pump. It's like um so anyway, so safely work with radiation in a lab, the formula is increased distance, decreased time of exposure. So you have to increase the distance. You know, I think those bagnettes in New mm -hmm. Orleans are quite are calling you. They're <laughs> unbelievable. In fact, now that I think about it, those bagnettes are like hot dough that's dipped in, in, in a sugar, isn't it? Yeah. But it's not the powdered sugar like Portuguese. It's right. not granulated sugar. It's powdered sugar. It's a yeah. different thing, but it's the same. I just got back from Portugal. I just ate those. Yes. Oh my God. The Colmolasadas are unbelievable. Anyway, <laughs> those other ones are on the corner, if I recall, because I yes, went to the are. French Quarter. They're on the corner of that street, right? Of the I French Quarter. Yes. Cafe yeah, du Monde. That's Cafe du Monde? Yes. See how I remember? I have a memory like a steel trap. <laughs> Not for people's names, but for pastry. Shows you where my priorities are. They are low, but I have them. You take it easy. Because I'm you. telling you right now, that will put weight on you, and that's not going to be good. Do you understand? I do. Yeah. Have you gained weight? I, I've i always been really ha healthy and active, but I have. I did do, did the probably the COVID-7 or 6 pounds, and I'm trying to get it off now, and that insomnia is not helping. But I am working on getting it back off because I've always been. Can I tell I you, it will melt off. In the, in the um, it's not the old quarter, it's called the French quarter, right? Yes, yes. Run, don't walk, and get, send me some beignets. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Do they have gluten-free ones? You know, I've never had a gluten-free one, but I could probably find a recipe. I, well, I think that this, this is time to send me one. I could use one. Bad. <laughs> you take it easy. Have a nice day, okay? Thank you so much. We're going to go to Bruce here. Bruce, how can I be of help? Mr. Bruce, I can't, go ahead. You have to unmute yourself. Otherwise I have to learn how to read lips. Oh, for God's sakes, I'm gonna lose my marbles. Bruce, you have to unmute yourself. Mute. There we are. Got it. Okay. Um, How can I be talking? If I at long last, yes, unmuted. Um, so the whole conversation about uh, falling asleep and sleep hygiene, and then you just got through talking about some unbelievably wonderful food. That that's 
my question um, in, in part because, it, you know, you talked about, you know, eating more in the earlier part of the day and a little bit less as we go on because of how our bodies and our brains are structured and all the hormones. So over at one point, I tried to do that and eat a little bit more earlier in the day and less and less, but you eat a little bit less for dinner and then you get this craving and you oh, want to- Oh, perfect. I love it. I love it when a game plan comes together. And so it's not- get, No, no, it's not craving. It's hunger. You're hungry, right? Well, okay. Maybe I've just been thinking of it's craving because it's the, I always want the same thing. I always want my fun. You already mentioned it. Chips. I want my chips. I got to have one, two, five, 10, 20, 50. I got to have those. And I go, I've cycled back and forth on, you know, um, I'll eat them for a while and then I'll, you know, get a little bit of weight and then I'll be like, oh, wait a minute, wait I gotta, a minute. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you something. And, you Chips know, have more than carbs in them. Chips have something else in them. They have galenin, fat, and galenin is the opiate receptor. And all rows lead to opiates, which are very addictive. Now, I know you know where we're going with this. Oh, God, I yeah. see that you're a very healthy person and you're very good with a lot of areas in your life. But I see a significant relationship having come to an end. You run in lots of different directions, take on an awful lot of projects and tactics, projects and goals, but really, and you have a good group of people around you. However, there are seven, well, at least seven. There's, we have to get multiple sources of reward in our life. And as I said, the sleep wake from the cycle, sleep onset is GABA, from the basal forebrain hypothalamus, which makes us fall asleep or inhibits wakefulness. And then um, we have the brainstem produces dopamine, norepinephrine for being awake, serotonin. The key is that somehow you want stimulant. You want a stimulant at that time because you're missing stimulant, you're bored. Now, where are you not getting stimulation from? Let's itemize, shall we? There are seven basic areas like a stock portfolio, family, intimate relationship finances, work, children, hobbies, having a voice in the world, activism, intellectual development, spirituality, purpose in life. So if we're hungry, you understand that insulin goes down and cortisol goes down. So your body is saying at that time, 10 o'clock, your body's saying the cafeteria is closing. So even if you're hungry, do you understand? And I might add, 
your bowel motility is going down. Funny that that would just go into my head. So bowel motility is going down. Is saying, I don't want any stuff put in here. But in the morning, when you wake up, bowel motility starts at eight o'clock because that's when you throw food in there and that's when the plumbing is supposed to do the trap door because as soon as you put food in your stomach, you get the gastrocolic reflex and so you go to the bathroom. People who have trouble with constipation, the whole thing is going in the hell in a handbasket. Number one, they, have tr they get trouble with gaining weight. They have trouble with sleep and then they get constipated because that whole rhythm, the cycle, remember me telling you the bicycle, the two wheels gets out of whack. They, they eat at the wrong time. Remember now, you throw most of your food down the chute in the morning, and then you exercise and move. It causes a pendulous motion in the bowel and food moves out. Just when it's programmed to move stuff out of your bowel the most in the morning. Then cortisol and insulin is the highest, so you eat most then, and that's when your bowel motility is greatest and you're more likely to go to the bathroom. Your skillful activity with movement is highest between 10 and two. You're less likely to get an injury. Yes, indeedy, Bob. And then it starts to go down, which means don't go to the gym at 10 o'clock at night or go for the last ski run. You're more likely to get an injury. We all know this. We all try to do it. We're tired at five, but I want to go for one last run and we get the broken leg. And then eat the tiniest meal at dinner, five o'clock. But if you're hungry, you have to ask yourself, well, no, I, want, I don't want to, I want to change that. If you're craving for something, you have to ask yourself, what is my craving? Could it be that the drive centers in my limbic system we have five basic emotions, fear, anger, sadness, love, and joy. We sometimes know when we're thirsty. We really know when we're thirsty, but how come we are hungry, but we're not hungry for a pork chop? We are hungry, okay, or we're not hungry for lean turkey, two ounces. Nope, nope. We're we have a hankering for something that has glennin and a stimulant that is either a comfort food or has an association. Therefore, it's not hunger, it's a hankering. And it's more than just that, it's a craving. Therefore, if it's a craving, it's an addiction. Got and it. it's some chemical you're getting that's an association. I'm not saying, gee, you're an addict. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying that your association with it is not helping you any. And it's a substitute for something else. Worse, worse yet, worse yet, Somebody else has to mute themselves because worse yet, worse yet, you'll eat more of those chips and they won't fulfill what you're craving because it's not, it's like if your body was really protein deficient 
and you had a low albumin, then taking protein will eventually, or water, if you were really thirsty, eventually it would fix itself. But no amount of chips is going to fix your chip deficiency because I'm sure that there's a blood level. So you're lacking enough contact at night in a relationship. No amount of intellectual or something is fulfilling it. And you're filling that up temporarily. And the reason why I say that is this. A friend of mine came up once to me at midlife and she calls me. She actually has my service interrupt me in the middle of a reading. I just need you to tell me if I have cancer. Well, first of all, I don't do that in readings because you're asking me for a diagnosis, but I need to ask you a question. You're asking me for a yes or no question. Do you or do you not have cancer? She said, yes. I said, I'm sure you've asked other people that question. Yes. I said, suppose they say no. Okay. How long does that satisfy you? What do you mean? I said, what is the half-life? How many hours does it last before you need to ask somebody else again? I said four to six hours, six to eight hours, or eight to 12 hours. She said, why do you ask? I said, I'm going to explain. She said about eight to 12 hours. I said, that's a clonazepam. That's clonopin. That means you want vitamin R reassurance. Do you get it? So that's a biochemical. You're hitting a receptor. So now I'm going to ask you, how many chips do you need? I don't know. Many. Usually it's many. <laughs> many. And how long does it last? Till you go to bed? Pretty much, yes. Which okay. is that's an hour. perfect. That's perfect. So yep. there's some kind of relationship that involves going to bed. That you feel lonely. That there's emptiness. At that particular time at night, there's an association of feeling empty and alone. And it's not necessarily a romantic relationship, but there's some kind of emptiness that you then have to fill in with that activity. Because the reason why it's not simple like her, where there's a half-life that wears off. Because this individual also drank. So she has an anxiety problem and it builds up um, tolerance. So she clearly, after someone said, no, you don't have cancer, 12 hours it wore off. And that's the length of time a, um, a clonopin wears off. And she saw that. When she saw that, she knew exactly what I was talking about. But, but yours doesn't. You have to do this until you go to bed. So it's a behavior that substitutes for being alone until you go to bed and black out. So it's a surrogate. The chip is a surrogate relationship. And you get I, haven't that. I haven't understood that because I was like, well, I was just treating the behavior and just trying to be mindful. And I cut down on my chips and guess what? No, it came, it, it won't. came out. You have to have a conscious awareness that this is a relationship surrogate. So you either work, wine is dying. So either replace the relationship or replace um, 
put something in its place that gives you opiates or contact. Because otherwise what you're doing is you're adding stimulant. And what you're doing is you'll have trouble getting to sleep. You get yourself completely wound up in a frenzy. Did you get that? Because it's not necessarily anxiety. It's in Yiddish, they call it ajita. Ah! <laughs> because it's like a baby crying, they wanna be soothed. It's not necessarily anxiety. It's... Um, Mm. You mm. want to be soothed. There's not a word for that other than Yiddish, Ajita. How mm. can you say that? It's you want someone to hold you. It's bonding. It's oxytocin. That's it. It's oxytocin. You want to bond. You're bonding with the God and the chip. You become one with the chip. And so... Um, Wow. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. It soothes you in that way. So you're not fearful. You're not anxious. You're not really depressed. You could say you feel empty. And so you're putting that in, but it's not, it doesn't solve it. You want somebody to soothe you like a mother or a not a father, but a mother or a partner or someone who holds you. So to be honest with you, if you didn't want a partner, that's why people get cat, cats or dogs because it's a nice surrogate. Seriously. Mm. And it may not be the same with you, but it's soothing. Mm -hmm. Because to be honest with you, if you've had trouble with relationships and you have post-traumatic relationship disorder in the interim until you find the right skills, an animal from the pound can be very soothing. And if you're particularly... Um, well, let me put it this way. I have four cats. <laughs> we have them in rotation. <laughs> so if one gets aggravated, then we have three others. So we have a quadra feline system here. <laughs> so it's soothing. So you needn't have a relationship. Relationship is 7% of your life, depending on what stage of your life. So it's half of the second center. So you don't need to have a relationship to be happy. 100% minus seven is 93%. It's a solid A. But if you feel empty at that time, you need to do something so you're not warping your brainstem and your circadian rhythm. Did you get it? Yes. And mind you, I know it's on the tip of your tongue. A vibrator won't work. And the reason why a vibrator won't work if people are thinking this is because people are thinking this is because, but they're not gonna raise their hand and ask it because this is a live taping. So I'll just answer it for you. The reason a vibrator won't work is because it's a stimulant. The very word is vibrate. It's a stimulant, do you get it? And it's not comforting because it's not holding you. Do you get it? And that part helped even more. Okay, yeah. I'll give you an example. One of the last lines of Hello, Dolly. Um, Dolly is trying to get Horace and Vandermeyer to understand that money is not going to come from her. And so when they go to the Harmonian Gardens, um, she says, Horace Vandermeyer, you go your way and I'll go mine. 
And so whatever he does, he says, I don't care what you say, Dolly. I'm not marrying you. And she goes, that's okay. So they meet at this parade. And after the parade, she says, Horace Vandermeyer, if you're the last man on the earth, I'm not going to marry you. And so she sings this song. And she says, on those cold winter nights, you can snuggle up to your cash register. <laughs> if you hold it hard enough, it will ring. <laughs> Very funny. And my point is a vibrator won't do it because it's not soothing. Something alive has to do it. So, and that also tells you that not every relationship will do it. Because if you have someone who's just kind of there, but not present, you say, what happened today? Nothing special. They're like not answering you. They're not present. That's not going to help. And if they just have sex, but they're not there, it's not really, they're not really there. So that's why sometimes animals really help because they're really present. When you come home, they're waiting there for you. They've been waiting all day. Where the hell have you been? You are late. And it's not just about kibble. They're like pressing on the rich watch going, where the hell have you been? And don't tell me it's traffic again. I know you, I know you're kind. You stopped at Starbucks again and you didn't get me anything. They're waiting for you. It's very comforting. Do you get it, Bruce? Good luck. Um, that's okay. We have four minutes left. There was somebody, oh, this is um, this person over here. You can unmute Jess, your, yes, Jess, how can I be of help? Okay. I'm experiencing this as cosmic synchronicity. I um, have a lot of knowledge and wisdom and uh, sometimes actuating has been a project. I have had a felt sense of collapsing into myself for a while now. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say you have a lot of knowledge and wisdom. How yes. old are you? 57. Okay. What, Actually, are those, what are those pictures behind you of? Uh, pictures I've taken, I, I do affirmations. I used to, well, I still do sometimes look for the good in life and I write affirmations of what I see. Like, I know, but the, the ones directly in front of you, one of them, it seems uh, like- It's an owl one. and another one is a path uh, in the snow and it says, I trust the path on one. Okay, one of them is a path. Don't tell me what the words are. One of them is a path and the other one's an owl? Yeah. Okay. So now tell me what your question is. So- my question is um, how to, to make a shift because at, at night I thought I wasn't feeling safe laying down to sleep. I have so much trouble calming my nervous system in the evening um, and up until now. And also when I'm, uh, for about two, more than two years, I'm noticing when I am laying in bed, all sorts of, I hear voices that aren't my thoughts, like I'm empathically picking up on snippets of conversations, and I don't know how to keep it out. I don't experience myself as hallucinating, like this is a new thing that I'm intuiting. Um, so I have a felt sense of not really feeling safe in the evening. And um, I just want to say one other thing is that I was in the ER for the first time in many years, you know, for 
for something scariest. Uh, and they, they didn't have a stroke, but they diagnosed me with idiopathic intracranial hypertension. So I'm really curious if you have any nuggets of wisdom that I could practice and do this differently. How did they diagnose your idiopathic intracranial hypertension? They did a CT and, a, and then the other and you had enlarged ventricles? No, they, they said um, the, they said that the, sorry, thank you for your patience, that there was a lot of C, prominent CSF surrounding the optic nerves and oh. a partially enlarged empty cella and slit-like ventricles. That's what I was, okay. Yeah. Never mind. There was something different about your ventricles. Yes, slit like. Okay. The MRI was clear of an infarct. What you need to do is your brain is so unique that our brains have five basic senses, hearing, seeing, body sense, smell, and taste. And we have a corollary for that, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, clear smell, and taste. And sometimes our brains get confused with not knowing if we hear something, whether it's our voice, a voice outside of us, it's like a location. If you have epilepsy, temporal of epilepsy, you have trouble with, Carolyn Mason and I both have temporal of epilepsy. It injures your temporal lobe. And if, you, if your cell phone goes off in the house, you don't know where the hell it is. Sometimes you're sitting on top of it because that area between the spatial area, the parietal lobe, the connection, and the, the temporal lobe auditory is messed up. Similarly, an intuition, sometimes you can hear, you know, if someone's upset, like a friend, and then they call on the phone. Every, every, a lot of people have that experience. But your brain is so sensitized that sometimes you hear a voice, a thought, and you don't know if it's yours or somebody else's. And um, that can be very upsetting. I'm getting and better at it though. I know, I know, I don't, I don't. It's not about trying. The thing that you have to understand when it comes to the brain is, is humility, is that you can't always know what you don't know. And that's how you have to get a series of trusted advisors to help you. Because I'll give you an example, because we're at the end. You won't know. Your brain, brain play, all of us have this. Every one of us has a unique wiring for intuition. And it's related to a floor in us. It can be impl implicated by hormones. It can be implicated by sleep, weight, digestion. And at times we're not aware of it. 
So I was on the phone with my editor editing my new book, Mystical Molecules. And we're doing this chapter <clears throat> and she's not getting it. She keeps saying, I'm having trouble seeing where you are. Can you go back to the beginning of that paragraph? And each time I have to read it and I'm getting aggravated and I'm thinking, what in the hell is wrong with her? So I read it again <clears throat> and she's not getting it. And I'm reading it again and she's not getting it. And I'm about to cry because I'm beyond anger and I go to cry because I can't hold on anger very long. And finally she says, you know, I'm wondering whether we're reading from the same chapter. And I went, excuse me? <laughs> and I realized that way back, I got this inkling that I was Joe editor and I decided to remove a bunch of stories from that chapter. And I had been, been thinking, where the hell were all those stories? They were good ones. In fact, one of those stories was about Dr. Z. I told in one of these podcasts a while back. Suffice it to say, she was right. I completely sent her the, the right chapter and I was reading from the wrong one. And I was so annoyed with her when really the one that was wrong was me. And the person that made the mistake was so confused was me because I removed all this stuff from the chapter that should rarely have belonged there. And I should have just dialed 1-800, left the editing to her. So I apologize. She said, don't apologize. I said, I was so sure you were wrong. I was so sure I would have put my, and sometimes we think we're so smart and sometimes we know so much, but you know what? You can't know where your brain is messed up. So you have to get someone who you really trust. And I remember this DBT coach, you might wanna consider this. I've taken and I've taught with her. And she had a phrase that when someone got angry or they got sad and they got in this state, wound up, I call it getting wound up. She would say, you gotta trust me on this. And she helped you understand the difference in reality because there's something different about your brain and the pressure especially in those deep white matter pathways, because the area in the optic area is near the orbital frontal area for bonding and intuition. And those areas are connected to the limbic area for intuition and hearing, the clear audience. So you're going to have to go to someone like DBT so they know that they can help you with this hearing issue, with hearing of the voices, because it sounds like it could be organic. And the reason why I say that is because it happens in the afternoon and early evening. And when something happens in the afternoon or early evening, it's like a delirium. It's related biochemically to something in your brain. Do you understand? And those people a lot of times are very intuitive, but it doesn't mean that there's something not different about their brain too mm. that needs to be repaired. Because trust me, if I didn't get help for my brain, I wouldn't be able to show up on time for this thing. I'd be way off. Um, I would. I would just say also the MRI showed that um, there was minimal areas of increased flare signal, the periventricular. Right. right. That's now. what I'm talking. That's mm -hmm. what I was talking about. That. So I want you to get. The I have done DBT in the past. I just don't. I understand that. So I want right. you to get somebody who does DBT who can help you but also learn with a neuropsychologist how to work with those deficits. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. 
Um, if you want a private reading, go to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com. If you, you want to subscribe to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And understand that this forum is education only. It's not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship. I have not been giving you a diagnosis, prescribing treatment, or doing psychotherapy. If this is an emergency, you want to go straight to your emergency room. If you want to take a class in medical intuition, I have a seven-day medical intuition training class once a year in July. It's a certificate training program. I want to thank you for welcoming me into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have a great day. Be healthy. Do right. Live brilliantly. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.